Hi, this is Dennis Genitsis with Leading Change Partners and podcast host of Leadership is Changing. If you're wanting to improve your communication skills, you need to be listening to the Art of the Communication podcast with Greg Rice. Welcome to the Art of Communication, where entrepreneurs learn to grow their business more effectively through mastering their ability to connect to others. Whether you're looking to increase revenue, widen your network, or just getting others to buy into your vision, we'll help you dramatically transform your business and life by communicating more effectively, improving your leadership skills, and reinvesting time back into your family. You're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and your life. So let's start the conversation with your host, Greg Rice. What's up, guys? Today, I got to speak with Dennis Giannoutsis. Dennis is the CEO and founder of Leading Change Partners, where they're helping businesses transform how they're approaching leadership in an increasingly disruptive world. He's also a highly respected international facilitator and executive coach and is the host of a podcast called Leadership is Changing, which is a tremendous podcast you should definitely check out if you are a leader. He has also, he's been leading leaders for over 30 years, um, starting out by helping leaders develop within Hewlett Packard and teaching their top 2,000 leadership candidates year over year. So he's learned a lot about leadership in the corporate space. And finally, he's co-author of a book called Secrets of Inspiring Leaders Exposed. And we talked about lots of great things around leadership and communication. One of them was what it takes to really be a great leader in today's very dynamic world. And that might be a little bit different than what it was just a few years ago. We talked about the importance of all forms of communication in being an effective leader. So both verbal and nonverbal. Your people are watching everything that you do, whether you are in the store or you're in the office. And finally, how leadership, how strong leadership really starts by having strong self-awareness. You've got to know yourself if you're going to know where your strengths and weaknesses are and how you can relate best to others. So overall, this episode is a must listen for anyone who's currently a leader or who is aspiring to be one one day. So Dennis, welcome to the Art of Communication podcast. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really excited to pick your brain on all that you've learned through your many years of leadership development and training, because I know communication's at the heart of that. Yeah, it sure is. And um, as you say, it's the heart of it. It's big. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll definitely dive into that, but we'd love to just hear how you got on this path of leadership development. Mm, I've been sort of in leadership roles since I was a little kid. Uh, even at school and, you know, um, we have different schooling here in this part of the world, but, you know, primary school, then internet, intermediate, then into what we call high school. I've always been in leadership positions and uh, so that's always been like that. And then for me, I think when I went to the business world, I just continued to do that. But I also had the passion of wanting to know more about leadership, develop myself as a leader. And that's where the whole passion around leadership came from. And then you kind of eventually shifted into a role where you were actually training other leaders, right? Yeah. So I've been in the business world for about 30 years and uh, started the age of six, you know, really young, I, um, <laughs> sort of young guy. But um, yeah, I started uh, in uh, the business side and about uh, 17 years ago, I decided to move into the HR space to help leaders develop because I don't think we've got a good uh, enough good leaders in the world, even today. Uh, I think leaders are struggling. Um, they, they tend to go for what I say from email to email, meeting to meeting, and they're overwhelmed and uh, they just don't know what to do. And for a lot of them right now, they are 
worried or scared of becoming irrelevant because they're not staying with on, in front of the curve or doing and, and developing enough that they're going to be still effective going forward. Interesting. That's an insight that I hadn't necessarily come across before. So I, I also assume part of it is maybe their team's really strong and they're developing on their own without a lot of help from the leader, right? So like you said, they're kind of becoming irrelevant in a way. Well, in that way, but then I think technology is moving fast. I think businesses are needing more things. And it's just a bit like the old cliche where we saw Kodak didn't move in time with a ahead of time, didn't go into the digital space, even though they did have a digital camera, they just didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they got left behind. Um, and so we've seen many organizations like that. Well, that's also true for us as individuals, as leaders. If we don't continually move and change, then what happens is that we actually get left behind because everything in life is moving forward and is changing so much that if we stand still, we're really going backwards because everything else is passing us. Yeah, and organizations continue to flatten more and more as well, which is also a threat to leaders, right? And if you're not driving some sort of transformation within the organization, within your team, it becomes harder and harder for you to justify what's likely, you know, that higher paycheck. Yeah. And then there's the other side too, whereby I think the responsibility of the leader is actually to develop their people. And the big thing here is how many times have we seen somebody go, yep, bye, I'm off to do my new role. And then they go, well, who's your successor? Uh, there's actually not really anyone on the team that can succeed me. It's like, well, why not? because the leader hasn't actually taken the time to develop those those team members. Now, they may not be the right people, but they at least could have been developed well to go into other areas within the business. And so for some leaders, they, they want to move on. They're okay. Thanks very much. But uh, they forget their people, which is, which is really sad to see. And it absolutely is. And I've had some great leaders and I've been part of teams where we had great leaders and they left and there wasn't a great succession plan. And things didn't necessarily go very well. So uh, I definitely feel that. So as you think about what makes a great leader, what are the top two or three skills that somebody should focus on to become a really great leader? Uh, number one would be clarity. Uh, make sure you, you understand where you're going, uh, what who you are, what you stand for. So have clarity around that. And I think that takes time out to think. And for a lot of leaders, as I said before, they're so busy, so overwhelmed, they don't even take time out to think. And I think, so number one would be the clarity side. Mm. Number two would be the communication. Uh, How do they communicate? How do they come across? What do they do? How do they do it? That's the key there. They need to communicate. And um, in fact, I I think there's, there's something that a mentor of mine has always said, a guy called John Maxwell, and he talks about everyone can communicate, few can connect. And it's the connecting piece that's really, really important. Um, So I think, so number one is clarity. Number two is communication. In other words, connecting. Number three, I think a lot of leaders need to have courage. Uh, Be bold. Be out there. Because for us to go in other places in the world today, whether it's in business or whatever you're doing, you have to have that courage. You have to have the ability, the willingness, the guts to step up and step out there and do things where a lot of people are now too scared to do it because is it PC? Is it okay? Am I doing this? And I'm just going to encourage them to be, to have courage and be bold and go out there. So that'd be the three, three areas. Yeah. A lot of great stuff there. I think we can dive into a few of those as far as the clarity right? Mm. Uh, It feels like self-awareness is something that's really important to leadership, 
Yeah, self-awareness is a big one. And there is one thing, I mean, I heard someone say to me one day, Dennis, there's no religion, there's no political party, there's no sporting team in the world that everyone agrees on 100%. I went, okay, where are we going with this? <laughs> and then he says, there's only one thing in the world that all airlines agree on. And that is when the mask drops down in front of you, put yours on first before you help anyone else. And I'm like, okay. So that self-awareness goes back to that actual bit. Because you see, if you don't put on your mask first, then you're going to be useless to anyone else. But you have to be aware of where you are at any time as a leader. The self-awareness as well is, it comes down to many um, uh, aspects or items within that area. One would be your health. Where are you at with things? Because uh, a lot of leaders, because we are busy, don't go to the doctor. A lot of men nowadays, and I know it's a generalization, tend to not go to the doctor and they need to. And so having that self-awareness is important. How we come across to people, how we communicate, hence you know, your podcast, The Art of Communication, how we communicate with people, having that self-awareness of that as well. But then I think the big thing, self-awareness is one thing, but it's how we show up as a leader is the real key as well. Yeah. And that's kind of where I was heading with the self-awareness comment as well, is when you're thinking about communicating and connecting with others, I'm curious mm. if when you're talking with leaders for the first time, if you're feeling like it's on their radar that they have different personalities in, on their team and they need to communicate with people in different ways, even though they're saying the same thing, but they got to connect differently. Yeah, you're right. And then the, the people who... They're the, the audio, you know, they, they hear the, the visual side, there's the audio side, there's the people who are very much more energetic than others, more analytical than others. So you've got to take all of that into consideration. So what I would say here is know your audience. And I'd say know your audience, whether it's in a one-on-one situation within a group. And so uh, for a lot of people, it's understanding who your audience is, being able to adapt being able to give the same message to them in different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I say to a lot of leaders, it's, it's a bit like, um, here I am, I'm going to admit something again now. It's a bit like whereby <laughs> I learned to do ballroom and Latin dancing. And so when I met Mary, she was Australian champion for her level. And she said, if you want to go with me, you're going to have to learn how to dance. I'm like, I know how to dance. And we went to a ball and I didn't know how to dance, apparently. She was tap, <laughs> tapping me on the shoulders, what foot to foot next. But our dance teacher, when I got into that, to dance competitively, our dance teacher would say things to me and show me, say it, do all sorts of things. And she may need to, she had to do it three or four times. Yep, I was a bit slow at times, but she may have had to do it at three or four different times until I clicked. And you could hear the clunk, like, ah, I got it. And a lot of it was, because I wasn't listening or I wasn't reading it or I wasn't seeing it. And she had to put it in a way that was relatable for me. And if I can make it relatable for my audience and whatever I'm doing, that's the key. Yeah. So is that kind of the, I guess that is the guidance around how to assess how you need to communicate things differently to different people, right? You need to keep trying things basically until something sure. lands with that person. Then you, then you remember that in the future and you try similar approaches. So eventually you narrow it down. Yep. Yeah. But again, it comes down to time, right? That takes time and it's hard to find that right balance. It takes time, but it also takes practice. I think you, you just don't take a magic pill and da-da, you're the new leader and wow, you got everything perfect. No, as you say, it does take time and it takes practice, but it takes the right practice. Because mm-hmm. you can practice something wrong, 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 and all you're going to do is you're going to be very good at doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so you 
But I'm not saying you have to be perfect or you know how to do it right in the first place. So I think for a lot of people here, Greg, is that they they make mistakes and that's okay to make mistakes because that's where you learn. Because none of us who are in leadership roles today, none of us have learned without making mistakes. For some of us, we've gone and made the mistake the second time just to make sure it was a mistake in the first place, right? So um, we, we tend to do that too. If you keep making mistakes, it's not good. But um, I think that's where we learn. We've got to go and just do it and then fix things as we go along. Yeah, I know when I first started leading people, a big challenge of mine was because I wasn't a leader, right? And I was kind of in the job, in the role, doing it well. And then I became a leader of those folks. And it was really hard for me to teach them how to do something without doing it myself, right? And therefore yeah. taking all the learning away. Um, when I'm responsible for the final product as well to the client, you know, I find that very difficult. And, and the difficult part as well is that, as you say, you're part of the team, then all of a sudden you become the leader. That transition is difficult for some. So that's where I talk about leading change. And that's about that change, but that transition, that transformation of how do you now are the leader and then how do you lead that team where you were their, you were their peer before, you're, you're their, their teammate. And so it's a little bit different. So that whole dynamic is different. But yes, you do need to show them how to do it as well. Yeah. And, and you mentioned change. I'm curious if you have any thoughts around how to drive change management really effectively. Yeah, there's, there's several things. I think you know, people say to me, well, change. No one, no, I, there's not many people in the world that really do like change, right? I mean, we yeah. like, it's okay to do change to others and, and help them through it. But then when it's change <laughs> for you, that's the hard part. You don't like doing that, going through change. That's one. Then there's the other bit, which is the change management. It's a process. It's how do you manage the whole process from end to end? But then there's the other piece that I talk about, and that is the leading change, right? It's about the leadership side of it. And so how do you step up going through change yourself while also leading the change at the same time? It's, mm-hmm. that's, that's hard for some people, right? And it's, a, it's an art in doing that. And so then how do you go through the change, go through the change cycle, uh, curve, or whatever you want to call it, then you actually have to take other people through it as well and see where they're at. That's that takes skills to do it effectively. Yeah, I know something I've struggled with in that regard is like, say I disagree with something that the broader leadership team is doing, but I still have to bring my team along to do that. Part of me wants to be honest with them. Like I don't want to be inauthentic, but at the same time, I don't want to put down the direction I know we need to go in, right? So it's hard to find that authentic balance. Yeah, so as you said, you may not agree with it, but you know that's where we have to go. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, that's where the organization's going. So there's an acceptance already of you knowing that's where it needs to go. Yeah, and it's hard because you 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 have to be authentic because people aren't dumb. They can see right through you if you're not authentic. They're not they're not stupid. But what they will do is that um, if if you start wavering or you start bad mouthing or you are not buying into it, then that will actually it becomes contagious and and they'll they'll start doing the same. So as leaders, sometimes, yes, we may not agree with it 100%. I think a lot of that sometimes is that we don't actually understand it. We don't actually understand what's going on mm-hmm. to fully understand what's happening and agree with it. Mm-hmm. We still may not agree with all of it 100%. But it is, it is what it is. It's change and we need to move it forward. You know, thinking about that scenario, even if you're not communicating it with your words, you could very well be communicating with your body language and your tone and everything else. So I'd love to get into how leaders are kind of watched with everything they do, how they dress, how they respond, their body language, and how important it is to manage all those things because you're communicating a lot with that whether you realize it or not. 
You do. And then there's the, I think we're being judged as leaders all the time. So if you go down to your local supermarket, I don't know what you call it in your part of the world, but we supermarket, grocer. Supermarket works. Grocery store. Yeah, it works. Yeah, good. Um, <laughs> and if you're going down there and then some of your employees see you there, you're being judged. So it's not just in the workplace, it's outside the workplace as well. It's a bit like a, a, a sporting player. They're being judged on the field and off the field. It's the same thing as a leader, on the field and off the field. Uh, we're being judged all the time. So how we show up, what we do, so forth. So much so, let's say you and I are standing in a room. We're in a workshop somewhere. We're, we're in a meeting, and we're on one side of the room, and we happen to be pointing at a poster that's on the wall. But there's a couple of people in between us and the wall. Now, they could actually tell you, their perception could be that we are actually talking about them Mm-hmm. We were actually pointing to the poster. And so people will read into things a little bit different. So we have to be a little bit careful about how we say it, what we say, and um, and what we show and do with people. Yeah. Uh, and I think the same is true when we're kind of, you know, when we're giving them feedback, when we're leading them, when we're trying to drive change, we have to have the right uh, body language and, and physical feedback as well. Like you can't be like, oh, you did a great job. You know, you got to <laughs> you, you, you show that you're buying into them and you're being authentic with it. Yeah. I mean, you got to have energy as well. I mean, people want to be around an energetic leader. Mm. They don't want to be around what I call a knuckle dragger. Somebody who's just, their shoulders have dropped forward, their, their whole body's down. They're just doom and gloom type person and they're dragging their knuckles along the ground. Is that the, That's why I call it a knuckle dragger. Because no one wants to be around that kind of person and that person is not portraying and, and buying into it. I, I mean, I, I would rather follow a leader that's really is authentic and is actually energetic rather than one that's not um, totally. Any time of day, I would take the, the energetic one who's authentic. Yeah, it's an interesting point, right? Because some people think that you have to have a certain personality to be a good leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think certain personality traits can lend better to leadership. But any, it, regardless of your personality, you can probably be an effective leader as long as you're bringing like you said, that energy and that focus and energy, not like you're, ah, let's go. Right. But you know, the right energy and focus that is appropriate for you. Yeah. I don't think the rah-rah kind of leader is going to be the one that cuts it all the time mm-hmm. um, because there's only so much time. There's, there's a time and place for different types of leadership and different leadership approaches, time and place. Right. And if you know what your, who your audience is and what they need, that's the most important thing. It's about them. It's not about you. It's about helping them go forward. And so you could be the quiet, analytical type leader who will listen to everybody in the meeting and then will come out with one thing at the end and you go, whoa, that's, that's so cool. Why didn't they say that in the first place? Well, because they were allowing everyone else to talk while they were formulating their thoughts. So then when they had something, they could say something that had weight and there was of value rather than just having their, their voice heard, which some leaders are like, right? They just want their voice heard. Yeah, I, I almost struggled some on the other side when I was uh, in leadership roles, right? So, so I have a vision, but I, I, I get really empathetic for the people on my team and their visions. And sometimes that pulls me off my vision to just, you know, kind of want to be on their side a little bit. So I always found that hard to balance as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but the key word you've just used there is balance, right? So that's, that's the key. You've got to have a balance. However, some organizations have a vision. That's the the vision of the organisation. What our cult, what our role is as the leader, is then to bring it to life for our employees. And how do we do that? It comes down to how we communicate it. 
And if you can make it relevant for people and people can get it and people understand what's in it for them, they're on board. Now, is that a five-minute wonder thing that you can fix easily? No. Sometimes you need to work with people and it takes time to work them through it or talk them through it or walk them through it. Yeah. So, so much about leadership is the development of people, right? Mm-hmm. What are the keys to being a good people developer, which isn't a very good term, but you know what I mean? <laughs> I think, first of all, that you do develop people. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two would be you actually take time out to hear about what they want to do, not just what you want them to do. Um, and then I think the other thing would be you actually do do a pull a development plan together with them mm-hmm. or they pull it together with your guidance and then you revisit it or you visit that on a regular basis. It's not just a end of year performance review, tick in the box, thanks very much. Uh, oh, that looks good. Yeah, great. Good. Good luck. See you in 12 months' time. That That's not going to cut it. You're going to need to do it. But then I would say something else to others as well and, and I've never, ever – sat back expecting the company to develop me. Never. Mm-hmm. I've always gone out and did that my own in the organization and outside the organization. I've gone and invested thousands of dollars into myself. Why? Because at the end of the day, it's me and I will go wherever I need to go and I can go to different organizations. So I'm transferring that skill, that experience, that knowledge to other organizations, but it's a me. And so I wouldn't wait for other people, but I think it is the responsibility of the leader to actually have those conversations with people and help develop them because we want the team to lift their game. We want them to, to, to do well, but also we want to set them up for success in the future and their success is actually our success. But first, have you ever thought about doing your own podcast? I'll tell you, if you're a business owner, you absolutely should be. There's no better way to get your name out there, to grow your network, and really develop a relationship with your customers. I can tell you in the short time that I've been doing this podcast, I've already had conversations with top global influencers, Fortune 500 CEOs, and a host of other really cool people that I otherwise would not have had the opportunity to connect with. But you might be thinking, hey, it might be really hard to do a podcast. I don't know where to start, or I just don't have time. But I'll tell you, if you work with my friends at World Class Media, they make it super easy. That's who I worked with. With their done-for-you podcast, literally, all I have to do is just record the episode and they do everything else from end-to-end, including all editing and production, development of my intro and outro and music, my artwork and website, development of my show notes, and submission of my show to all the major podcasting mediums. They even created my social media cards. And they offer me coaching along the way as well to help me to become a world-class podcaster right out of the gate. So if you've ever considered starting a podcast, you owe it to yourself to talk to world-class media because I tell you it's a lot easier than you think. So just go to gregjrice.com backslash done for you to learn more about the done for you podcast service and to set up a free consultation. All right, let's hop into the show. Indeed. And sometimes it gets really hard because you get caught up in the tactical of the day to day to day. Right. Um, And before you know it, nine months have passed and you haven't really gotten to circle back around to their goals and their vision for their career and how they're progressing against it. So you have to, again, find that balance, right. Between the short-term tactical and the broader strategical. Yes. Yeah. And then once again, it's a balance, but I, when I, you know, with my teams in the past, I used to do that, uh, not every one-on-one. So I would have a one-on-one every two weeks. Now I know a lot of leaders that don't even meet with their teams one-on-one. It's like, what? <laughs> so they don't give them their teams a the time of day because I'm, I'm a manager and I'm busy. <laughs> yep. 
but you've got a team behind you, right? There's people. So meet with them every two weeks. Uh, and then what I would do is one, one out of the six to eight sessions. So in other words, every six weeks, we would use one of those one-on-ones to actually cast some time out to talk about your personal development and how's it going and what are we doing next and what's the next steps and things like that. So we actually do make sure we're actually spending time to address it. And where I've seen it work best is where you, you know, you have a clear goal in mind for them in their career. I mean, they have the goal as well, right? So it's not just my goal, it's their goal. But then we know that they have to achieve, you know, these four or five things to be able to really be considered to have a good shot at that role. And so as we're having our one-on-ones, we're tracking how we're doing on those things. You know, led a presentation with a client, um, sold a new deal of more than $100,000. You know, we're talking about how, if you haven't achieved this yet, what do we need to do to achieve this next step? And that's when I've seen it work really, really well. Yeah, yeah. And the, the other thing I would say is that you are where you are today and we want to go to as, as the goals we want to end up, but there's obviously a gap. So then what are we doing to help close those gaps? And and then when we're out there doing things, then how are we monitoring it and seeing how you're going is what you're talking about as well, right? So then we can always adjust. But like a pilot, where well, we used to travel uh, internationally, um, <laughs> where a pilot gets on, the pilot doesn't just turn up to the gate and go, okay, let's go somewhere. I don't know where we're going, but we're just going to go for it, right? They know where they're going from A to B, but then they will actually have alternative things that they can do to tweak and move to maneuver, depending on turbulence, depending on airflows, all sorts of things, right? So they will use all their instruments and engages and all that to adjust. Same thing. When we're having those conversations, we need to use our instruments and, and things to adjust moving forward. Yeah. So on a similar topic, tell me about the best way to provide feedback, especially when maybe performance isn't where you want it to be. Oh, straight between the eyes. <laughs> uh, it depends on the person, right? Um, I always use the sandwich, sandwich example. Mm-hmm. So you've got two pieces of bread and then you've got the meat or salad, whatever, the lettuce and that, the, the vegetables in the middle. I will always do a positive, then the actual message, and then the positive again, right? So then if there is a hard discussion to happen, then we need to do it. A lot of people sort of defer or sort of avoid having those hard discussions. Now, feedback could be good feedback too, right? It's not just one way. It could be both ways. Mm-hmm. And so um, I always sandwich it, do a positive then give them the message and then give them another positive as well. So they, you know, it's not just the hard message or whatever that is. I also find you have to have real clarity around whatever that feedback is, right? It can't sure. just be like, hey, you didn't do a good job on this. It has to be, hmm. here's why you didn't do a good job. Here's what you should look at in the future or think about or, uh, you know, structuring something like that. I even ask them right up front, how do they think they went? Mm-hmm. And then what I do is I just keep quiet, button <laughs> my lip and just listen. Yeah. Because they tend to know, and then they'll they'll say. It. Now you'll you'll have the the odd people who might be a little bit in their own little world and think differently and that. But um, most people know where things are at, and so you just give them the opportunity to come up with it rather than you telling them. And then if they don't know, then I would tell them and give them that kind of information. But it's how I do it and how I approach it that's really quite key. And uh, sometimes, as you say, I, you need to have the data and facts behind you that you can give them examples or show them what it is rather than just making a blanket statement because a blanket statement is not really going to help anybody. Mm-hmm. And it can be very deflating for them, for sure, because they walk yeah. away like, oh, I'm just not good at this. I don't know what to do. Yeah, or I'm not good enough. 
um, then they there there are people who will play the victim mentality as well. They they'll go. They keep saying sorry about something or I'm not good enough for this and that. But it's nothing. It's just the way that they're taking it. But what I tend to find, Greg, is that there's something else going on for them in their lives. Hmm. There's something else behind it. It's not just that job or something. It's something else behind. Then you've got somebody else in the other part whereby, and it comes down to the development side and the feedback side. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but I've seen people who have, who have either performed really well and now they're not. So something has changed. So it tends to be something in their life or whatever. Or there's a new leader come on board. So there's things that change. Mm-hmm. The second one is you've got somebody who doesn't perform very well at all and you take them out of that team and you put them into a different role or a different team with a different leader and they just fly. And you go, why? Well, what's the difference? And so you can give them so much feedback, but then it's about us also understanding what's going on and adjusting and providing them an environment, a new job, a new role, a new something, a new leader to help that person really excel at what they do and they do very well. Yeah. So a bit of a different topic. How can leaders motivate their teams? Like what are the keys to motivation to getting your team excited to move in a certain direction? Well, I think you have to be motivated first, right? Um, mm-hmm. It goes back to what we were saying before. You need to have that energy for sure. But I think that a lot of organizations nowadays, they're not hiring people to motivate them. You already are hiring motivated people. Our role Point. is to go out, and, out there and inspire them, right? I mean, it's, that's what we want to do. It's, it's how you take top talent people, and that's what you want to do is you want to attract the talent, and then how do you give them the opportunity for them to really excel and take off? That's, that's the key. That's what we want to do and give them the platforms to allow them to do it. So I think that's, that's really important. But you've got to be motivated yourself. You have to be. And then a lot of people are like, well, uh, I don't want to be rah-rah. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you need to be motivated. You need to have that purpose. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people, Greg, is they don't actually have a purpose in life or they don't actually have a purpose in what their role is. And so what they tend to do is they tend to be on autopilot and they just take day in and day out just doing what they're doing. And that's not always helpful, right? It's not with purpose, which means they don't step up with confidence, which means there's lack of clarity, which means they don't communicate well, which means so there's a whole downflow effect. So when you're working with folks, are you working with them on their personal purpose as well as kind of their business purpose? Are you going that deep? Yeah, starting off with their personal purpose first um, because I think that, see, for a lot of people, I, the, the way I work with them is where they go in the next five years, right? So it's a blank canvas. Where do you want to go? There'll be some stepping stones to get there, uh, which could be jobs, could be businesses, whatever. But they, those stepping stones is what I call vehicles. They help you get from where you are to where you want to be in five years' time. Some people, just, they just don't have clarity around it or they're not sure, they doubt themselves. So if I get them clear on their purpose, then that tends to help with the purpose of the business and, and other areas as well because uh, mm. it starts to shine through. Yeah, very interesting. So again, shift topics a bit. Tell me a little bit about your podcast. Uh, yeah, I've, I've launched a podcast uh, about uh, just a few weeks ago called Leadership is Changing. And um, what I noticed is by working with leaders around the world that a lot of leaders are struggling, they're overwhelmed, they're going home, they're going home cranky, they're going home whether by they're not a very nice mum, dad, or <laughs> sister, brother, partner, whatever. And so it's sort of like what's going on. And so if I have an avatar or who's my ideal client type person, and this will explain why the podcast started, it's a guy called David. Uh, David, 38 years of age, two kids, married, and um, he was doing 80-hour weeks. And his wife said to him, hey, you're either going to hit the ground by having a heart attack or I'm going to put you on the ground. And he was like, whoops. 
that was one thing. Number two is his boss was looking at him as his succession plan and wanting David to step up into his role. Now, David's going, well, I can't even do today's role in ATR Plus. How can I do the, a bigger role in, and what am I going to do? So I worked with him, uh, and, he, and a long story short is after working with him, coaching one-on-one for a while, he came down to 50-hour weeks, but his productivity went through the roof. He felt guilty every Thursday at four o'clock in the afternoon and leaving the office mm-hmm. to go and watch his kids swim for one hour. He felt guilty. Even though he's doing 80-hour weeks, I'm like, man, that's just crazy. So I helped him with that. And um, so what I'm finding is leaders, are, there is a lot of businesses changing, changes constant, it's getting faster and faster but leaders aren't keeping up with it or leaders aren't stepping up to lead the change, let alone go through it themselves. Hence why leadership is changing and the world is changing and we need leaders to step up to inspire real change. And uh, we do have the unfamiliar territories, the unknown, which is something that just sort of scares a lot of people. How are you going to take that team? What are you going to do to step up and move forward? Hence why I'm I'm interviewing leaders from around the world on that topic of leadership is changing. Yeah, that's great. That's great. What is one thing you've learned that's kind of new to you as far as leadership goes that you've learned from interviewing folks? That new, it's a reinforcement, but it is new as well, is that, you know, with with what's going on in life at the moment, pandemics and other things, people are having to move and and this word they're using a lot is pivot or adapt quicker. Mm Mm-hmm. But the thing that I've learned is that leaders have, through the pandemic side of things, made decisions, got on with things, and has, have got rid of the noise that is around. A lot of people procrastinate. There's noise and they take time, bureaucracy and all that. All of that got pushed to the side and they just got on with what they had to get on with. Well, why can't we work like that all the time? Because I think that's more of a sprint rather than the marathon, and we can't sprint full-time all the time. So that was the thing that sort of stood out and I'm learning from people on the Leadership is Changing podcast. Very cool. Well, folks should definitely check that out. It sounds like some fascinating conversations, um, especially as we're all trying to navigate this uh, pandemic and and everything that's going on today. Um, And all of us are leaders of somebody, right? Our families, ourselves, or, you know, entrepreneurs of companies. So definitely a a lot of guidance to dig into there. So a a couple of questions I like to ask everybody who I have on the show. The first is that I really believe in the power of conversations and the impact one conversation can have on your life and the path that you take. So I always like to ask my guests that there's one conversation you can point to that had a really big impact on your life. Yeah. Uh, it's a conversation. I don't know if it's a conversation, but I'll, I'll take you through the, the scenario, the story. So about 30 years ago, I started in the IT industry. I didn't actually want to be in IT. Uh, I actually wanted to join the police force. <laughs> and then uh, two other things of passion were uh, sports was my passion, but also physiotherapy. So I thought, well, if I don't go into the police, because my fiance at the time, uh, ex-wife now, said to me, hey, it's either the police or me, you choose. I was like, Oh, okay. So, and, but that was a big dream of mine and still is today. Number two was, well, if I don't go in that, then I would like to go into physical education as a teacher or into physiotherapy, one of those two. You notice how they all start with P, police, physical, um, physio. So <laughs> then I went, well, okay, I'm not going to go for those. Okay, why don't I go off and be a programmer, a computer programmer? There's good money in that. And I did that and I went and studied and I went into an organization and lasted about three years doing it. I just, just didn't really light my fire. 
was okay at it. But then I went into leadership roles, and um, so that was interesting. But while I was there at this organization, this one leader comes out of his office. There was about 70 of us on the floor, and he shouts out across the floor on the other side of the building to me, Dennis, get into my office now. And I'm like, but in a tone, it's like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble here. Something's happened. So as I weave through my peers, they're all looking at me going, oh, you're in trouble. Oh, you're a goner. Oh, and I'm like, so that didn't help my confidence at all. I get into his office. He shuts the door. He looks at me and he goes to me, I love your attitude. You're going to go a long way. Keep it up. (laughs) Now get on out there and do some more work. I was like, what the heck just happened there? (laughs) But the way he gave me that feedback has helped me set me up for where I am in life, where I am in my career, because you're saying my attitude and he loved it and it's going to go a long way. Because I feel at times that you sort of sort of stick out a bit from others people because you could be a little bit different um, or I think differently or I my attitude is a little bit different. And so at times you can get a little bit of, you know, hard time from others about it, but he was recognizing me for that. And that sort of helped me. And I thought, okay, life is about attitude. Everything is about attitude. So you need to have the right attitude if you want to move forward um, and, and go from there. And so that, that conversation has been huge for me. And your attitude's critical to how well you lead, right? It's a big part of leadership. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's huge. Right. And, um, I always talk about the attitude comes down to the six inches between years. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's in, it's in there and what you do, uh, how you do it, it all comes down to attitude. I mean, I could, I could approach my podcast, your podcast in a way when you're like, Oh yeah, whatever. Or you can go in there with a totally different right attitude, right? It's just the way you look at things for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Second question, as you think about all that you've accomplished throughout your career, if there's one communication skill that you could have had in more abundance that would have made it a lot easier for you, what would that have been? Probably go out and communicate more and more and more. I think that would probably be the best, but I think actually going out there and actually trusting myself and my communication, uh, my gut's pretty good. And so if I trust myself and uh, other things around me, to do out, go out there and communicate, but do it in a way that's me, then that's really cool. I think the other big thing would have to be, if I can add something else, would be just be Dennis. Mm-hmm. And, but do it with, because uh, I love using humor. Like I love having fun. And so if I'm in a situation where there's no fun, there's no humor, I'm out of there, right? I, I just don't want to be there. <laughs> so the communication thing is, is the big one, which is around having fun with it and humor. And, and, but not at the expense of others that way. Yeah. I think it's an important point to be comfortable being yourself in leadership roles or in communication in general. Um, uh, I think a lot of us feel like we have to be something that we're not to impress others. And that definitely impacts how richly our connections are with people or how rich our connections are with people. Yeah, you're right. And I think the, the richness of those connections comes down to the fact of when you're communicating with people by being present with them. The, the number of times you with people and you can just tell they're not there with you. They're, they're, they're looking at the phone or they're thinking about something else. They're not actually being present. So actually being present with people is really, really important in that part of communication. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. So last question for you. Who is the best communicator that you know, either know of or know personally? And why do you say that about them? Yeah, it comes down to a guy, um, John Maxwell. I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, he's an Absolutely. author, um, great speaker, and uh, know him and um, spent time with him. And he, he's a 
tremendous guy. He communicates beautifully. Uh, his the way he comes across, uh, the messaging he has, um, his voice. He just really connects with people big time. And I think that's there's been a few of them like that. Not many, but there's a few. And he's one of them that sort of stands out for me for sure. And you talk about somebody who's truly genuine and I think comes from the heart. I definitely feel that every time I, I hear him talk, every time I hear him speak. Yeah, he's there for, for you as an individual is the way that, it, that people feel and, and sort of take away from him. And I, I think he's just the ideal guy who who is really there to listen to people. But Because um, I've seen him, because most people see him up on stage, right? Well, most people hear him on a podcast and things like that. Mm-hmm. Not many get to see one-on-one time with him. But when you see one-on-one time with him or you see him with a small group, He's he's just so caring and just so much with the people there that um, like nothing else exists in the world except for you. And that's the kind of feeling you get from that guy. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we should all strive to give others. And I feel like yeah, we all absolutely. love to feel, but one that is not very much in abundance in the world usually. Yes. Yeah. So where can people find your podcast? Where can they find what you're up to and connect with you? Yeah, thank you. So uh, at all the all the main platforms, right? Spotify, Apple, uh, Google Podcasts. So Leadership is Changing is the podcast. Um, and so check that out. Uh, my website is leadingchangepartners.com. So people can go there to see what I do and and, um, and if they need to reach out. And then the, finally would be uh, just launch the Facebook group. So Leadership is Changing is a Facebook group that people can go to and just connect there. That, that group is more about people, okay, listen to the podcast, but coming along there and sharing their experiences and insights and stories and, and, and things as a community. Because I think that's a big thing here, uh, Greg, that a lot of people, uh, well, even with communication and so forth right now with what's happening around the world, people need people. And community is what's needed big time. And hence why I've started that leadership is changing community Facebook group. So, um, yeah, look forward to seeing people on there. Yeah, that's great. I couldn't agree more. You know, it's one of the big drivers for me as far as putting this podcast together and diving into, so I created a face group as well called Communication Nation. And for me, it's about people learning to understand, care for and connect with others, right? Having those really in-depth conversations that kind of give you chills, you know, and, but those are so few and far between and difficult to come by or difficult to curate on your own. Right. But the more people who are focused on that, I think we just achieve a lot together if we're all focused on that. Yeah. Great. That's awesome. Yeah. So, well, thanks so much, Dennis. I think uh, tremendous stuff on how to be a better leader, how to lead through change, how to motivate others um, and develop others, just a ton of great stuff there. So I really appreciate your time. Greg, thanks very much for having me. And if anyone needs any help, just feel free to reach out. But uh, thank you for having me here. Absolutely. And make sure you check out the podcast, Leadership is Changing. Don't let the momentum stop now. Continue your path towards connecting at another level by joining the Communication Nation. We'll be discussing today's topics as well as more real-world solutions to transforming your life personally and professionally at facebook.com slash groups slash join the Communication Nation. Remember, you're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and life. And that conversation starts right here on The Art of Communication.